This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. We've got mean text coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, so you still have time to get creative at 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Or in our texter's case, uh, dumber. <laughs> you said more creative? More creative, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. You said dumber. Do they have time to get dumber? Yeah. <laughs> Lefko, you want to weigh in, too? You want to you pile on here? Or? I already have, but yeah. they might have forgotten already. So. <laughs> yeah, so let's refresh their memories. What do you got, Mike? <laughs> I can do it again next hour. Okay. I don't think they'll remember that far out. Well, they can't. Uh, they have the mental capacity. 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Take that and run with it if you'd like, folks. So. Is this what they do like when they're training people to, to be uh, broadcasters on the radio? Yeah, insult your audience. Absolutely. They like that. They, they, they love, love it. They've come back well, for more. We, we got tough people, right? They, they yeah. can take it. Yeah, they, they get it. For the, every once in a while, you get somebody who doesn't quite get it, or they do it, as you like to say, they're doing it wrong. Yeah, they do it but, wrong. But yeah, for the most part, they get it. It's tough love, Dave. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's tough love. Um, so the news came out yesterday that the Seahawks reworked, uh, or they, they didn't really rework anything. They just exercised an option in his contract that they had written in there when they signed him that said, we can convert you know, this roster bonus to uh, uh, to another bonus or whatever whatever the terminology was. Basically, they just called it what they needed to call it in order to free up $4.8 million in cap space, um, which is, here's John, and John sort of joked about, yeah, we had a really tough negotiation just talking about the move that they made. It's actually part of the negotiation when, when we do these deals, and it's just a, it's a trigger that's in there. It's a roster bonus that's converted to signing bonus. So a roster bonus is just a cap uh like if for cap purposes, you could take a roster bonus. Can, we can, and there's language in the contract. We convert it to a signing bonus, and then it's spread out over the duration of the contract. So that creates more cap room for us. You know, we can. You know, we did this. You know, big, you know, negotiation to convert roster bonus to signing bonus. You know, Matt Thomas does a really nice job of working that in as an option for us throughout the process, so that at any given time, if we feel the need, we can move that into signing bonus and 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 create more cap room. Which is what they did, and he was given a sly smile, like, "Yeah, we did this big negotiation." There was no negotiation; they just triggered yeah. what was already in the contract. Well, and if Gino didn't expect that, then that's on his agent. Yeah, and I don't now for this upcoming season shouldn't matter to him. He's getting the exact same amount of money, which we right. confirmed with John. There's no difference in in his compensation. The difference would be his cap hit for 2025, the final year. He signed a three-year deal, so the final year of that three-year deal, he now has a cap hit of $38.5 million. So that's, if I were him, I'd be feeling a little uneasy about that number. Now I know the cap is going up, and you know who knows what it goes up to in 2025 and what that number would look like compared to other starting quarterbacks. And a lot of this will depend on the season he has coming up, but... As we sit now, and we're just looking at Gino as he is, and he's got a $38.5 million cap hit, I feel like they're going to look at that and go, that's untenable. We need to do something. Whether if they want to keep him, all right, maybe we extend. We sign him to an extension, and we spread this out and call it a cat, uh, call it a roster bonus or blah, blah, whatever they need to do. Or if he has a season where they feel like, yeah, he was okay, he wasn't great, he wasn't terrible, he was just kind of there, 
maybe it just gives him that much more motivation to move on. I, I, I would be, if I were him, I'd be looking at 2025 with some level of concern. Like, okay, yeah, that's a big number that they may not want to deal with. So maybe it puts more, I don't know, urgency on this season for him to shine. Exactly. 2024 is going to be the one where he needs to go back for, you know, to where he was a couple of years ago. Because if you look at the, those numbers, he had more attempts than uh, this prior year in 2022 by about 75. It's uh, 572 versus 499. So 73 to be exact. Uh, but, you know, and he was 69.8% as opposed to this year, 64.7. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and I'm just putting these numbers out there because at what point would you say, okay, he shouldn't have to worry about that huge hit in 2025 if he has, as you mentioned, this kind of kind of a year. But 30 touchdowns, now 11 interceptions. I mean, you'd like to keep it in single digits like he did this year, but he only had 20 touchdowns. So I don't know that that's a, a good exchange there. I always look at interceptions and, and, you know, completion percentage. But if he has a year like, you know, 2022, are you thinking, yeah, I'm cool, with him making that that kind of a hit on the cap and yeah um I'm all right yeah cuz even I mean it'd be up there I'd probably I think I'd have to look at the list of uh of quarterback salaries but it'd put him in the top 10 I would think certainly yeah um well and I think that year 69.8 well yeah it's, it's italicized here and so that was number 1 in the NFL yeah so he I don't know it's it's going to be I, I don't know what the avenues are for for the team and him. If he let's say he goes out there and has a really solid year, a good year, great year this coming season, and they want to keep him around, I, I, I'm thinking the extension is the way you're gonna you're gonna get around this. You're gonna spread it out. All right, we're gonna spread this out now over. We signed you to three year, two year, whatever the extension is, and we're gonna spread this out so it's not so punitive in this one year. Mm-hmm. It's still you're gonna have to pay the piper. It's just kicking the can down the road. Right, which is what they just did with this bottom time, bottom space this year. You have to answer for it next year. Maybe they do it again. I don't. I don't. I don't know what. What at what point does it become like? All right, we can't keep doing this. It's just we're gonna have this big balloon payment here. At it, we're gonna have to account for in, in the way of dead cap money, or just it's gonna be punitive overall. So it, it just if I'm him, I'm looking at it like, all right, I gotta go out there and and you know try to duplicate what I did the first year. You know, get closer to that. And really make the case that, yeah, we need to extend that. We need to keep this guy around. Now, we'll see what they do in the way of the draft. If they find a young quarterback in the in the third round that they like or somewhere in the draft that they feel like, hey, we're going to let this kid sit behind Geno, learn from him, watch, and then hopefully in 2025 or, I don't know, 26, he's going to be ready to go. That'll that'll dictate their, their move with Geno. You know, I'm I'm very curious to see. I hope they pick a quarterback this year because, you know, we've talked about the fact that Schneider's kind of, you know, had an eye. I mean, obviously it didn't work out, but um, as far as going and looking at Patrick Mahomes, his workout mm-hmm. when he came out, and they were thinking about possibly moving up and didn't know if they would need to. And that's this is when Russ was, like, in his prime. Yeah, same um, with the – they went out and Josh saw Josh Allen. Allen, too. Yeah, same thing there at Wyoming, and, and I remember that – Kind of pissed off Mark Rogers, Russell's agent, and he was, you know, making making some noise about that. But yeah, and then you know, and then obviously he, he found Russell Wilson. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was that was the biggest one, and that's when they signed Matt Flynn. 
They yeah. committed money to Matt Flynn to be they the did. starter. In the offseason and then end up drafting him, and he became everything that they hoped he would be. So, yeah, I would love to see them draft a quarterback this year. Does, does Geno's age bother you at all? He's 33 right now. He's going to be 34, you know, here in uh, what's his, uh, October 10th. He'll, he'll yeah. be 34 years old. I don't really worry that much about quarterbacks unless they're beat up and Geno hasn't really gotten beat up that much, um, mostly because he's been a backup. But I don't know. His he, he's It's not his game. Mobility is not – I mean, it helps, yeah. and he's mobile enough at this point that it, it can it can certainly be helpful. But it's not – He's not Lamar Jackson, where you're worried about no. when he loses a step. Same with Russell. We've seen Russell slow down. He's not the way he was before in terms of his mobility and, and outrunning guys and things like that. So, you know, he doesn't – those guys have so much of their game built on their mobility and their their ability to keep the play alive and run all over the place. That's not Geno's game. So much like Tom Brady, yeah. I'm not saying they're the same quarterback, but – it's just not what they do, so I don't worry about it. Doesn't enter into the equation. Not, yeah, not for me. It does. No, I totally agree. I I, th- I wish that he, you know, would run a little bit more because I think there's a lot of opportunities in the way that they're calling, you know, penalties and things like that this year. But um, yeah, that doesn't really bother me. And really, that's the one position in football that really helps you. You actually get more wise. You get more experience and. You know, unless you're getting sacked 55 times, um, like Russell, uh, yeah, know, that's probably part of what his downfall was. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it, it doesn't. He, he doesn't get hurt. He's it's never been a, an injury prone guy. But I, I would love to see them this year, just because they're starting new. You know, with a new head coaching, uh, the whole staff, everything. Um, to see them start with another quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. a young guy that they can maybe develop. And, you know, when when Drew Locke came here, I thought Gino wasn't going to be super cool with, with Drew Locke. Like, you know, we, we talked about if Drew Locke wins the job, I don't know if Gino was going to be, you know, real gracious about it because yeah. he's been fighting for a long time, not because of his personality, just because of, you know, his career and the way it's gone. But you saw, you know, last year and, you know, he was all in with uh, Drew Locke when he won the game for him and was really good. So, I mean, maybe he can be a good mentor to, is my point, to a young guy if they draft a guy this year, get a young guy in here. And I know that uh, that Gino really likes Penix and, you know, said he's got a chance to meet him. And so... I would love to see that, but um, I'm not sure if that's in their plans of, you know, where where they're going to take a quarterback. And, you know, if they take one in like the sixth round, you're probably thinking, okay, this is a project over. We're just trying to get a backup quarterback in. Yeah. Or they're trying to, you know, get Purdy part two. Yeah. You know, (laughs) but but, uh, you brought up Penix and we had Chad Ryder on the other day and he was talking about Penix could go anywhere. And this is pretty, pretty wide uh, window for him. Late first round to somewhere in the fourth round. You know, it wouldn't be shocking to me if he he could go anywhere from late one to to early four, depending on how his medical checks out. And that's really an important part of the combine that we don't really get to see. But teams get the medical reports from their doctors. He's going to go through a lot of different tests to see how his knee and shoulder and everything are. So I think the, the championship game just kind of, was what most people thought would happen when he actually faced more pressure than than what he had been able to do. And again, this is getting back to how college tape doesn't always, it can lie or mislead a little bit uh, in terms of how they're going to project to the next level. But that, all that said, if a team can really protect this guy, he can get the ball out fast, he can get it out accurately, you know, he's worth that day two pick. 
Interesting that, again, he's got it covered first round of the fourth. I'm Okay. <laughs> we narrow it down a little bit? Yeah, you got a pretty good chance of being right. Why don't you just say first to the seventh? Uh, but I'm wondering if he gets checked out, and you've talked about just how intrusive they can be, and they're yanking on your legs and your arms and all these injuries they're aware of. If he checks out with a clean bill of health and the doctor's are like, he's good, I wonder how much that changes his, his draft stock. Because yeah. it felt like it changed after the title game. Just the conversation anyway, and some of the mock drafts certainly changed. But now we're hearing guys talk about, well, he's had those injuries, those season injuries multiple times. It's It's been the knees. It's been the arm, blah, blah, blah. Well, if he goes through all of that, which is about as as thorough as it gets, and he comes out with the, hey, he's he's good, thumbs up. If you want him, you know, go for it. I wonder how much that changes the draft status of Penix. Well, I think it would change it pretty drastically for the Seahawks because they're going to do their own thing. They have their own rules. This is much like um, the salary cap. You know, everybody thinks, well, everybody manages the salary salary cap. It's there. It's just something you have to work around. Some people are better at it than others. Mm-hmm. And there's a differing, you know, um, sort of understanding of, and I, I feel like the Seahawks, from everything I've heard, you know, they do a great job with that. Same thing with the medical. Um, they have different standards here. And so, you know, and we experienced this last year with Ty J. Spears. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy I really liked, not just because I liked him. I thought, you know, a lot of people liked him. He ended up going to the Titans. But they just were not going to draft him. He was undraftable, whereas to the Titans, he was a second-round pick. They were okay. So, again, there's a lot of lot of difference there. And I feel like I've. it seems like the Seahawks err on the side of – Let's let's be really safe with this. Like I feel like they wouldn't have drafted me. Yeah, there was teams that wouldn't draft me because they saw the film of me getting hurt, and they're like, "There's no way you can come back from that." So, yeah, I think that's the that's maybe the what's going on there. Um, but I'll be curious to see if he if he is does pass that, and maybe they pick him up somewhere in the first to the fourth round. Uh, I, I think it would be it would be really cool to to see that happen. But what an interesting. I mean, a guy who was up for. The Heisman, and it's one thing if you look at the guy and go, yeah, he kind of looks like he's playing. Like, to me, Tim Tebow, he was like, he was the best college football player, I think, in college football history. But you knew at the time that, like, he doesn't really look like he fits in the NFL. Yeah, you you could see his limitations. Yeah. You can see that. With Penix, you're right. He's a finalist for the Heisman, led the nation in passing. Yeah. He has a ton of ability. He's got a ton of ability, and I feel like if he gets that, that green light after the medicals, it, it changes. I, I think some of the mock drafts we may see after that are going to have him, you know, mid to late first round, maybe as deep as the mid of, middle of the second round. This this first to fourth stuff, or again, why don't you just make it? He's going to get drafted somewhere. Yeah, you know, I mean that's that's a pretty wide area. But um, I, and and the other part of it is, I'm wondering if teams will feel a level of urgency because there seems to be a popular belief in Daniel Jeremiah here, who was on with a. Uh, Brock and Salk talked about next year's quarterback class not not supposed to be very good. It's not expected next year based off the early evaluations. Now I haven't done enough steps from talking to teams, but I, we say this every. I mean, there's every year there's two or three quarterbacks that come out of nowhere that end up you know vaulting their way up into the first round. So I'm sure there will be guys that'll take leaps forward in college that maybe we aren't quite as high on right now. But the early look. Uh, whereas in years past, you're like some years, like okay, wow, this next year's got a chance to be really good, mm-hmm. um, and there's some excitement there. This this next group hasn't hasn't generated that much buzz, which I think, you know, could be a reason why we see some movement, and we could see you know a record number of quarterbacks you know go in the top ten here. So I wonder if 
and and I've heard that and read it in some different story. And he's right. We'll we'll see when the season plays out. There might be two or three guys, four guys who pop up, and you're going, oh, "Wow, these guys are are hidden gems we didn't see at the beginning of the season." But that's the perception right now going into this draft that this is a very good quarterback draft. While next year is not expected to be that, so does that cause teams like the Seahawks and other teams that may need a quarterback in the next year or two or three to go? We better get our guy now. Yeah, I don't know that they. I mean, look, they're the most successful guy they they picked was Russell Wilson, and that was in the third round. Yeah. So maybe they're like, hey, we can get somebody in the later rounds, just because it's. I mean, this is kind of the draft we've been hearing about for the last couple of years, right? Because mm-hmm. of the pandemic, and this is this is really a, a good crop of quarterbacks. But does that mean it, the ones in the first round, or does it mean just like, like there's ones in the second and the third and the fourth, and you know that you, that you can get um, it's that plentiful? I, I don't. I don't really see it that way. So, um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know that uh, that they need to necessarily get a quarterback this year. But I, I think it would be because if you sign Drew Locke, I think you're. I felt pretty good about the situation last year, but I, I would love to see them do that and get sort of going on the next guy that hopefully is going to be the next Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, because regardless of how you feel about Geno, he's he is older. Is getting older. At some point, you're gonna. He, he's not a guy who's gonna be here for the next six, seven, eight, maybe five, six, seven, eight years. You know, you're looking at next year for sure. Certainly, uh, then then you have to address that thirty-eight point five million dollar cap hit. Maybe that's where it ends. Yeah. Maybe not. I mean, it, it, this this next season, as we talked about, will go a long way into dictating what happens. But you got to be prepared for the idea that okay, if he doesn't play well, and you've got this this thirty-eight point five million dollar cap hit sitting there. We need to be ready. We got to be ready. You know, the John's not going to be surprised by anything. He's planning for every scenario there. So, yeah, they they need to find who his successor is going to be. He's not twenty six. He's not twenty eight. He's he's going to be thirty four years old this year. So, as much as his game isn't built on his mobility, at some point, age is going to creep in on him in different areas. Whether it's arm strength, whether it's just how quickly he reacts, or how how brittle he becomes. I mean, we have no idea. But he's getting to that point where you have to plan accordingly. Certainly, that his successor needs to be whether it's Drew Locke or somebody in this draft. You want to feel like you got him in place. Yeah, you know this is a very interesting story. Uh, you look at this is his eleventh year, and mm-hmm. we're still trying to figure out who he is. Because <laughs> and it really, it wasn't a bad year last year. I mean, again, he was 64.7, So, you know, that's a standard that I remember Mike Holmgren would hold his quarterbacks to, that that's where we have to be. Um, he only threw 20 touchdowns this year uh, through the nine interceptions. But really, the, you know, he had a Pro Bowl year. And he's been to the Pro Bowl last two years. So that just gives you kind of a standard. But if you go and look at Geno's stats, I mean, he was number one in 2022 in percentage uh completion percentage. I don't know where he ranked as far as touchdowns and things like that, but 4,200 yards. And you're thinking, okay, yeah, this is this is really actually really good, especially the 70% completion. But you go down five points there and then back to 3,600 yards, only 20 touchdowns. Now all of a sudden it's like, eh, not, sure, not really sure. But the one thing he did answer, and I think uh, the question – is always can he take you on a game-winning drive? The other question is, can this guy take you to the playoffs? Yeah, you know, and I I think he can go to the playoffs if he has a really good defense and really good. He's not going to be the guy that takes you like Patrick Mahomes. But as far as 
the you know going down the field and scoring when an absolutely high pressure situation. Yeah, he did it what four times last year. I think Drew did it once. So yeah, it was. Uh, I felt like he answered that question. So, but I still feel like with him, it's still it's kind of up in the air. Two five three says no Drew Locke with a couple of slammers there. Uh, he's hot garbage that got bailed out by DK so many times. How often was he on the field had to be bailed out by DK? I mean, he wasn't he wasn't out there that much. I don't. I'm not saying Drew Locke is great by any stretch. I don't think we know. I, we saw yeah. things about him that you went eh, that wasn't great, and you saw other things you went hey. See that? That right. looked pretty good. So I'm in the same boat with, with Drew. I don't I don't really know what kind of a quarterback. He's shown he can make throws. He's he is more athletic than Gino is. He's a better runner, but is he more accurate? I don't know. Over the stretch of a season, I, don't, I have no idea what to expect from him. We've seen his numbers in Denver. I don't know that it's fair to say that's who he is anymore. He's 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 learned a lot. He's got experience under his belt and been in a different organization. Maybe he is better, but I don't. I don't have. I don't think we've seen enough to have a definitive opinion one way or the other. I guess is my point. Yeah, he played in the entire San Francisco game, right? That was, was uh, Frisco. Yeah, yeah, that was the game down there where, and you know, he was he was okay, but there was a couple times where he threw into where there was three golden helmets, and yeah. and then there was you know he threw like he was running and he was like five yards past the line of scrimmage and threw it, and I mean there were some kind of goofy things but then he goes and has the glorious monday night football come from behind win and you know that drive was was pretty fantastic so uh yeah i don't i don't really know what to think uh about him i don't think we've really seen enough yeah all right coming up it was a historic night for washington state basketball we'll talk about the lasting impact of their win over arizona coming up next with wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710 Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Help me understand, Dave. Help me understand. <laughs> You're not doing it right. <laughs> We're kidding. It's not. It, it's not. I, first of all, I don't have worms. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what it's supposed to mean? I don't. I don't know what that's supposed to mean either. I don't know. Some of the some of the mean texts. Uh, we appreciate the participation, but if we have to bounce it back and forth between the five of us here, four of us here to go. Wait, does this mean this? Yeah, I'm not this sure. Me? It could mean this. Yeah. Is it me or yeah? And then you get the most bizarre take on it by showing it to or reading it to Lefko. <laughs> no <laughs> idea. What he'll to give think. you the abstract view of it. Yeah. I have had to fix a few for the sake of making them funny. Yeah. So. You feel yeah, like you add right? the humor? Yeah. yeah. Mike adds humor. Mike yeah. adds the missing humor to yeah. the mean I text. am ingenious like that. <laughs> yes, you are quite ingenious. Uh, also, a lot of them, brag. you need to sort of shorten them, right? A lot of them are just a little bit too long. Yeah. So, some get a little wordy. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be, if we read them verbatim, it'll be books on tape. So we got to we got to dial it back a bit. But we do have mean text coming up at 545 today, so you still have time to refine it. Refine it. 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Somebody called Charlie Whitehurst Charlie Whitehorse. You're close. <laughs> Charlie close. Whitehurst. Ugh. 
Yeah, well, that one was a swing and a miss there, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but how about the this Coug basketball team? Huh? They they go on, they take they take over first place in the Pac-12 with a huge win over Arizona. By the way, was was uh, Curtis having a tough time today? Was this his team, his beloved Arizona Wildcats? Yeah, that took it on the chin, or as you like to say, on the lips. Yeah, uh, <laughs> bear down my ass. It'll be a two point seven heave here from Bradley. Finds Boswell backcourt. Cougs don't foul. Bounce up ahead. Throw for the tie. Front iron no good. Cougs have done it for the first time since 1947. Cougs have eight straight league wins for the first time ever. Washington State has beaten a top 10 team twice in the same season. And the Cougs are in first place. In the pack, up 77-74, win in Arizona. How about that? First wow. place in the Pac-12 for the Cougs. Very quietly, that's been uh, going on, and that's it's awesome, man. It, going down and beating, that was at Arizona, is that right? Uh, yeah, that was yeah. that was on the road, right? Yeah, and they yeah. were, some places had them as a double-digit underdog, like 13-and-a-half-point underdog. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the first time ever, first time winning eight straight conference games since 1947, I should say. So not ever since 47. Uh, first time ever with two top 10 wins in the same season. And it's the first sweep of Arizona since 2010. And on top of that, their fourth leading scorer on the night, what was his name, Matt? Oh, that was a good try, Bob. That was a real good try. But joke's on you. I don't even remember what the name is. I'll give you a hint. It's a soft J. Okay. Uh, now I remember, and I'm really not saying. Well, Lefko can play the uh, play the audio. We had him saying his name, right? Do you still have that uh, up there? Oh, yeah, let me. Yeah. Well, we'll I don't know if anybody that somewhere. doesn't know the team would, would get it by hearing him say it. Yeah. If you know the team, then you understand why. Andre Yakimowski, Kriopalanka, North Macedonia. Yakimowski. Yeah, yeah, just right. like it's spelled J A K I M O V S K I. Okay, Andre Yakimowski, Kriopalanka, North Macedonia. You know, interestingly enough, before the show, we, we were all trying to pronounce it. I don't think any of us pronounced it the way he did. No, no, we didn't. There's different. <laughs> you got to be careful. Okay, but, yeah, it um, could come off poorly. Yeah, this, this is. You know, I remember talking to Kyle Smith a few years ago. Going, you know, I was very impressed by him. I think he came from San Francisco. Was he with, San, I think, San Francisco State or whatever? Um, yeah, and he was kind of one of those analytic guys. And, you know, just I, I loved everything he had to say and loved seeing him getting rewarded. Um, I remember them going to the end. I, I thought it was the NIT, but maybe it was that CBI uh, college basketball tournament. And that was like five, six years ago. But That's one you have to pay for a home game, right? You do what? There's one if you want a home game. You basically buy oh, it. You, you pay have to for buy it. Yeah. 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 So um, it just hasn't been, you know, out on the the Palouse there. Uh, it just hasn't been a priority and haven't had great teams. And it's it's kind of fun to watch it. I, You know, you look at these coming up uh, here. we got March Madness coming here pretty soon. And, you know, you, typically there's not. I mean, it's Gonzaga, UCLA, sometimes USC. I guess San Diego State, but as far as West Coast teams, it's it's not very common that you get uh, a lot of teams from 
from the uh, West Coast in there. So this will be exciting. Well, and uh, I'm just happy for the for the Cougs in general. And this is sincere because of what's gone on with the Pac-12 on the football side of things. And it's just they're the lone team left standing with Oregon State. Yeah, It's the Pac-2. And, and, you know, they've been out there sort of just fighting for relevancy. And, you know, how do we fit? Can we keep the Pac-12 going? Where are they going to go to the Mountain West? I mean, it's just... They've kind of been left in the lurch. And, and you know, as I've said, I, I, I root for whichever the two teams has the most on the line between the Huskies and Cougs. It's, I didn't yeah. go to either school, so it's not even about that. But uh, it's, it's good to see for them, you know, for the Cougs to have something like this happening. Hopefully they can maintain it. That's, I mean, that's amazing to see that, you know, what they've done. First time, eight straight conference games since 1947. Wow. You were like four. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, okay. Yeah, I mean, look, they, I mean, you look at the, I don't know how the pack, the pack 12 is, you know, you got Arizona is number eight, and now they were actually number at four when they beat them. Um, so, uh, but, you know, you look at their sort of pre, uh, pre pack 12 schedule, and, you know, you've got like Prairie View A&M, Idaho, Rhode Island, Utah Tech, you know, but they're getting into the Pac-12 now, and they're pretty much dominating. So. Who's it? You have their schedule there? Yeah. Who's the very next game? Who's, who do they have next? They have Arizona State. Arizona State. So they usually, yeah, they go to yeah. Arizona, play Arizona, Arizona State, Southern Cal, same thing, so Bay Area. You, you don't want to... You don't want to stub your toe. You, I feel like we see that with, you know, a team gets a big win, an unexpected win, if you will, and everybody's on cloud nine, and then they fade, the next team, they, they come out flat, or they just they stub their toe against a team they shouldn't otherwise. That Certainly a team that doesn't match the one they just beat. Yeah. But, I mean, then what they have left is uh, at Arizona State, as we mentioned. Then they're going to L.A., USC, and UCLA, and then home for a home game, uh, the Apple Cup in basketball. Lefko, will you will you add the Cougs to your your collection of teams that you root for now? Since they're relevant, they're they're in first they're, place. Just say it; no. they're good. Not at all. No, no. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Coug fans. Why? Why so adamant? That, why? I mean, that wouldn't be a true support. So you support the Huskies, though. Uh, yeah, because they're the team that's in this city, and this is the city we live in. Oh, so uh. so so if the Cougs just go on a tremendous run, they just keep this rolling. You won't. You won't. Get caught up in it and be like, yeah, I'm pulling for the Cougs. I think you can root for them without being a fan, right? Like, yeah, you don't have to win. But I'm not going to call myself a fan because that would be a disservice to the true fans out there. Well, it's kind of interesting where you draw the line on that, Mike. Why? Because you have like 12 teams. You say that, but there's a connection to every team. <laughs> Let's go. Let's have it. Name the 12. Uh, yeah, there's Purdue. Yes. There's Syracuse. Yep. There's Tampa Bay. That's the not a college team. Lightning. I'm not talking well, no, about just, just college oh, okay. teams. We're talking about any team. Okay. Uh, what else? The, the Texans, the Huskies, the Seahawks, the Mariners, not the Texans, but the Oilers or now no. the Titans. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. You dub. I know we saw a purple sweatshirt. Oh yeah. There. So yeah. you're what? Six, seven. Yeah. Okay. And who else? And there's and somebody missing. There are, no, that's it. You sure? But there are reasons for all those. I, yeah, I'm sure you have plenty of reasons for y- y- each team you root for. Why you couldn't create a reason for the Cougs saying, you know, hey, I live in the state. This is a team that hasn't had a ton of success. They've kind of gotten jobbed by this old Pac-12 uh, dissolving. I'm kind of hoping they go out and, and uh, achieve something big here. Yeah, we all hope that. But it's different than calling yourself a fan. For you guys that think I just root for teams without any meaningful interest, so, so you're, I think this would be Well, you're just rooting for the Huskies based on proximity because they're from Seattle, you're in Seattle. So yeah. it's just that simple. Isn't that why, why not, all you guys are rooting for them? Why not the state of Washington? Why not Why not the Cougs and, uh, 
in Gonzaga. Because if you're going to root for one team, you can't root for both in the rivalry. Yeah, but if one's good and the other one's not, it's not really rivalry. Is How's that's Husky, a terrible fan. Then. How's Husky going to root well, for one because they're bad? No, that's what you do. No, you've got no. no allegiance to either, so it makes it easier. If you grew up with one, it makes more sense that you're going to stick with them through thick and thin. But somebody like yourself who just jumps on a bandwagon, yeah, it makes it easier. I like that you guys think this is a foreign concept <laughs> when you just have you don't understand that I have lived other places. That's why I root for these teams. You're just well traveled. Yeah. That's yeah. the difference between you and us. Well, yes. so have I, but I, you don't hear me out here. I'm rooting for the Cubs. Well, you, I'm rooting for the Cardinals. I'm rooting for the here, Chicago Bears. Bears. You're back here. The St. Louis yeah. Rams. Yeah. Yeah, the St. Louis Rams or or the L.A. Rams. I was down in L.A. I could yeah. root for the Raiders. I could root for the Chargers. I could root for the Lakers, the Dodgers. The I don't Clippers. root for any of those teams. Yeah. Come on, man. Okay. That's great. <laughs> Mike's like, would you get back to the show sheet, please? Yeah, yeah. yeah. all right. Let's get back now? to it instead of talking about his 12 teams. Uh, the Mariners might have more depth in the lineup than we originally thought. We're going to hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial every afternoon at 4.45 with Wyman and Bob. We've been talking about uh, some infield options for the Mariners. Here's a guy that you're not going to see to start opening day, but Scott Service was talking about Cole Young, the Mariners' first-round pick in 2022, and says, you know what, we're going to see a lot of him in the middle infield during spring training. You know, he needs experience at bats. You're going to see him play a lot this spring training. Um, the guys that can play multiple positions in the infield. I know he's been predominantly a shortstop, but you'll see him some at second base. He's just a fundamentally very sound. Love his swing. He's got a lot of adjustability to his swing and what he does. And I think eventually he's going to grow into more power as well because it is a uh, good two-strike approach if you kind of look at the numbers and what he's done in the past. So I think this guy could be a quick mover, you know, through our system. Once you start getting into the upper levels of our system, you know, you can move really quick. Um, so it's a really important camp for him. Can you play third base? Yeah. That's my quick, concern, Dave. I've got third base concerns. He's a quick mover. Yeah. Quick mover through our system. Likes to swing, plays multiple positions in the infield, so uh, maybe one of those can be third base. But I would I would appreciate that. I just I find it weird that we're going to a typical, a historically uh, a position you look at for power and production, that the Seattle Mariners third baseman is probably going, whether it's Urias or it's Rojas, probably going to be hitting eighth or ninth. I remember uh, one year a fight broke out uh, on this show, uh, and it was about whether or not Kyle Seeger was a uh, was a Golden Glover. There was a debate that happened. Kind of miss those days. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Kyle Seeger. I think he was always kind of tough with the with the media. I remember yeah, he, he didn't have much to say, and he had yeah. a, he, there were a couple people he wasn't a huge fan of, um, but. Yeah. The guy was pretty rock solid when you look at his production year in, year out. You knew what to expect from him. He was a very good defensive third baseman. Then you followed that up with another guy who was a very good defensive third baseman who struck out a whole lot but gave you some production as well. And now we're sitting here going, we got a little combo pack that's going to be uh, <laughs> a couple of couple of light-hitting, uh, maybe not great infielders. Well, we're going to find out how much we, we truly should have appreciated Kyle and uh, Gino Suarez. Yeah, and I think Eugenio, we didn't even think anything about, really. Uh, I mean, we didn't think he was had solved the problem there. No. All we talked about was, oh, he's got a lot of errors and 
things like that. So anyway, I guess my point is that we were having an argument over whether or not he was a gold glover. I mean, it was kind of a thin line there one yeah. way or the other, but third base haven't been talked about in a long time. Those are the days. Sweeping the dial. Uh, well, last night, big win for the Kraken. They uh, got the win over the Canucks back and forth game early, and then uh, Jordan Emberley helped seal it with an empty net goal. Pedersen in directing for Hronik right on it. McCann, here it is, just wide. And first Emberley, bullseye! There's that horn. Left goes going <laughs> again here. Stop it. It's loud. It's loud. Played it a lot. His ears are still ringing. He's still upset about the horn. Yeah, it's uh, it, but that that means something good has happened, right? That's just beautiful night. Five goals, cracking, taking out a team that scores the way that that they do. It's uh, it was nice to see. And what'd you say? Three points out. Or yeah, six? there's uh, three, three three points out, and there are two teams in front of them. With how many games left? Twenty six. Yeah, yeah. Through one, three of the last four. What? How was the crowd, Mike? See, I was talking about that with Bob. It's tough to tell because there's a lot of the lower areas that sometimes people are out in the concourse or up in the suites. So yeah. it didn't look full. You could see a lot of empty seats, but it was very loud. Yeah, TV, it didn't look full. That's why I was asking. Good atmosphere because you have a lot of Vancouver fans. They yeah. either come down or they've been here because that might have been their team before the Kraken got here. So uh, a good back and forth between the crowds. Sweeping the dial. Uh, we mentioned Daniel Jeremiah was on with Brock and Salk this morning. They asked him to evaluate J.J. McCarthy, and he kind of said similar to what we've heard from other guys. It was tough to tell, tough to get a read on him based on his college career. And then they asked him, okay, will the Seahawks take him, and will he be there at number 16? I'm fascinated to see picks six and eight. I think that'll tell us everything, because I do think at the end of the day, you know, I think we end up having quarterbacks go one, two, three. So then it's a matter of who the fourth quarterback is. I know a lot of people I talk to view him as that. And then you go, okay, well, is, you know, for the Giants being at least intrigued by quarterbacks as an option and the Falcons, you know, by all accounts, everything I've heard is, uh, you know, they, they really want a young guy. Um, if a quarterback gets by them, then yeah, now I think you see uh, that that maybe becomes a possibility, but you still have landmines with, uh, with Minnesota Denver. You know, I'm looking at uh, some of the, the game logs for J.J. McCarthy this year, and there's some puzzling ones. I mean, some 88% against Nevada, Las Vegas, 22 for 25, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But then, you know, somebody texted in about this the other day. I think they were talking about the Penn State game. where or Ohio was, State. Penn State. He was 7 for 8, so 87.5% mm. for 60 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So, I mean, they ran the ball a bunch, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know how much of it's his limitations versus just this is how we win. This is how we play here at Michigan. But it, it's unless you're a Michigan fan or just a hardcore watch Michigan every week and you've got a really good grip on what he does well, it's limited exposure outside of highlights and then, of course, watching the national title game. But I, I just haven't seen that thing where I'm going, okay, I get it. He did yeah. make some good decisions in the title game, some really good runs. It didn't run for a ton of yards, but they just came at – really crucial moments the 31 yards or whatever he had he was 10 of 18 it was it was it was no touchdowns it was just kind of a nondescript passing game for him well against purdue he threw it 37 times and he was still 65 percent but no touchdowns and then no interceptions either but yeah there's just some head scratchers um 
78% against Michigan State, four touchdowns and zero interceptions. So, mm. I don't know. I mean, I, I I feel like he obviously has got a W next to every one of these games. And, you know, his, his overall completion percentage was 72. You know, and then also you got, you know, 22 touchdowns and four interceptions. So, but he just hasn't put up, like, the monster numbers. Yeah. And so, you know, he's got, does a fair amount of work with his legs, but... Yeah, I'll be I'll be curious to see if uh, the Seahawks see anything in them. What did we see? Two mock drafts that had them taking it at yeah. sixteen. I'd still even if he's there at sixteen, I'd be pretty surprised if they did too. that. But yeah, maybe they fall in love with him. Who knows? All right, sweeping the dial is powered by Seattle University men's basketball. Coming up. The Seahawk that has the most trade value might not be the one that first comes to mind. We'll hear about that in our best of the rest. Coming up next with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710.